just believe in yourself and enjoy it. You know, don't be telling yourself you're shit and you can't do this and you can't do that and just try and improve and get better every day and just enjoy it. And every day you go out, every time you're going onto the field to train, it's an opportunity to enjoy it and an opportunity to just be a little bit better, you know? Hello, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Live Unbound podcast, Conversations Without Limits. This podcast is for people who would like to listen to real, open, honest, and courageous conversations. It's all about human potential and performance and exploring the edges of what we are capable of. I'm your host, Steve McDonnell, and we're trading training, a high performance and transformational coach to leaders and teams all over the world. And a massive thank you for tuning in and for showing your support. I feel very privileged to be in a position to talk to people all over the world exploring their journeys you know life in itself is not an easy journey and i suppose how we can best and all of us can best progress through life to make the most impact have the most fun and i suppose be the best at what we what we do and so it's very 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 humbling to have you all tuning in and to 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 see that it's making some impact and I really appreciate some of the feedback we've already gotten as we kicked off at the show. So today is a little bit different. So today is, is, is a conversation I had as a guest on another podcast with um, Neville O'Donoghue from Benchwarmers. So he reached out recently to ask me to have a chat about hurling, about my sport that I play, you know, and I still continue to play with the great Glenovers and we touched off that a little bit, but more so with Cork and my journey in, in, in the red jersey and we looked at my my work in that live unbound and what we do and how we can help you and we explored life so with all that i'm going to shoot on over to the podcast and yeah hope you enjoy stephen mcdonald how are you lad i'm doing good never good to see your uh burnt fucking you know skin over in dubai living it up good uh, man it's good to be here. I have a bit of Spanish blood, like, you know, so I take well to the sun. But um, before, I, I want to... Thanks for coming on the pod anyway, Stephen. And uh, I, I was right. doing my research about you. And I see you've over 70 appearances for Cork, 2011 to 2020. Like, that's incredible. I always think, like, never mind the, the appearances, but how many training sessions is that? How many gym sessions oh. is that? But the first question before we go into all that is... Uh, what do you do nowadays? Because I know you have your own podcast as well. Yeah, so the podcast is, I set that up only just before Christmas time. And it's kind of, it's super related to, to the work that I do. And again, just the work I do is super related to the sport as well. At the same time, it's performance coaching and performance, you know, within, I suppose, within the corporate world, within organizations. Um, but it's not just limited to within organizations. But that's where I find myself doing doing a lot of work. And that's where the pressure is. So I, I'd work with a lot of teams, a lot of leadership teams. A lot of leaders one to one, their teams and their organizations, just around looking at being the best they can be, you know, and whatever it is they do. And they have a lot of pressure and they have a lot of kind of results that they're looking to achieve. So I come in and I fast track, catalyze that. I'd have a team with me as well. And, uh, you know, I, to be honest with you, a lot of what I learned in sport is absolutely 100% relevant. And it gives me a bit of an edge as well when I do go in because I find that. I'm just able to kind of see things a little more clearly around the team dynamics and stuff like that, just from being involved in teams my whole life. And, you know, there's, there's it's, it's a loaded space, you know, where I'm at, you know, this kind of uh, consulting world. But I'm feeling that the sport has definitely given me an edge, 100%. What's the name of the company? And like, because well, I know you're you're the same as me. You went to CIT. I did, I did business. Oh, yeah. How, yeah. How did you get into yeah. What's the name of the company and how did you get into it? Yeah, yeah, quite never, yeah. So, yeah, CIT has been... Absolutely brilliant. And I, I do a little bit of lecturing there as well, which is great. Go back into the old course. But the I suppose just the, the company itself is called Live Unbound. And to be honest with you, set the company up six and a half years ago. And that was always something just even for me when I was growing up, those two words, when you bring them together, kind of just, just give me that. They just give me something. I just get a wave of inspiration and energy. And I kind of felt that, you know, when I'm setting up a business, that's, that's just the name, Live Unbound. So it's just getting after life. Absolutely, hundred percent over yeah. So you yeah. you look so the day to day of that then is what you just you help mentor people in sports and like say like I'm not fully aware of it like just to tell the listeners what you do every yeah. day on bone. Yeah, I t- so every like my so what I'd say is that I've got a range of clients right, and they might be huge multinational 
clients or they might be small Irish companies and you know they might be let's say a company that might have 100 employees and I'd work with the, the CEO of that company and performance coaching one-to-one and his or her team as well around how they lead the organization so they might have an idea of in two years time where they want the organization to be and the people in the organization and how they want to help them I support them getting clarity around that and then executing that right performing making sure that it actually happened and it happens and really is realized there's also other projects then never that I might work on you know that could be turnaround projects where there's just um large multinational that um let's say their Irish operation has been spotlighted as underperforming so I'd come in and I'd support them in turning that around right so there's a ship that needs to be built turned around and you know, and, and they need to be spotlighted for, for being one of the highest performing organizations rather than one of the least and not, and, and everything in between. Like, so it's really, I find myself just um working where there's pressure, where there's good people, where there's ambitious people and um utilizing my facilitation, kind of just my skills around catalyzing success. In, in, and the key thing here, I'd say as well, Neville, is just in an enjoyable yeah. way all for, you know, for the betterment of humanity. I know that's a big word to say, but that's, one of the main reasons that I do what I do is so that people can enjoy their work and make the world a better place as a byproduct, you know. So, but I don't know that part if that explains it or not. Everyone asks me what I do, you know. So it's kind I, of. I, 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 I think I understand it, uh, and you're at it now six months. What did you do previously before that, Stephen? So six, six, six years. So six, yeah, so oh, good. Boy. So fucking yeah, never six years, man. Yeah, so twenty. I was lucky there. Um, I'd be honest with you, and I showed up to GP on this one, right? So, I obviously went. You said there CIT, right? CIT was great crack to be fair, but it was it was it was fucking hard. Never right. It was like like I done structure. I actually done three years. I went in the hard route, so I didn't get enough. Um, I didn't have high level maths to get into structural engineering. So I went in and I done civil for three years, and then got a high enough thing, you know, score of maths. So I went across to the structural. Done another two years. That was five years, and it was five years of Fitzgibbon as well, which you know you mentioned earlier that the trainings and everything else. That was a tough. That was a tough slog, but I kind of went out then and I um. I worked for a consultancy called Arup for about five years as an engineer and I liked it, didn't love it, but I liked it and they were good people. But I always kind of felt that, you know, fucking engineering isn't my, isn't my, um, what I'm best at, you know. I always felt that I could be replaced. You know, like you can be replaced here in two seconds. Like I'm doing a good job here and I'm, people are happy with me and all this kind of stuff. But like, but at the end of the day, you know, the never engineer can come along and, and do a good job as well. Like, and it was very detailed and it was structural engineering, you know, so designing buildings, designing structures. Um, so I kind of, I was always kind of on the, on the, on the lookout for, I always kind of reference it in my highest point of contribution, you know, what, what's my highest point of contribution? And it wasn't engineering, but it was a stepping stone. I knew that. So I kind of looked up and I knew it was kind of, um, I suppose I knew it was people. So I was kind of, okay, I know it's working with people. I know that. I got that clarity. Teams, love to work with teams, got, you know, and start to take store, kind of maybe I need to upskill now and get after this, start moving towards this. And uh, to be fair, I kind of looked up, um, I found um, this life coaching diploma as kind of a start. And I got that, gone out to the GPN and said, listen, could you help just as I get after this, give me some support with funding, because they were very good. And uh, they came back and they said, listen, Stephen, there's actually a better program you should do and uh, we fully fund it. And that was the IMI executive coaching in January. Yeah. So I done that and it was kind of literally through that process you have to work with clients pro bono and I still have some of those clients now which gave me the platform, right? So and then so I suppose just in terms of how I was able to leave Arab fully was through that process, through upskilling, but also Sky Academy, they done this they done this initiative for um schools basically you go back into the school and you you share your story. But you get trained up by um Sky Academy to do that. And uh, you get you get money for that as well. So I was I had a bit of a safety net that I had some income, as I set up because at the start you go from full time salary in, in 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 an engineering company to now you've got to build clients start from the bottom. You know, so I had some safety net with Sky Academy, but that only lasted about eight or nine months before that was that was um moved off as well. Then again, so it was it was an interesting journey, but that's kind of a, a high level idea of kind of you know where it came from and what I did and where I am now. All right. So finally, then uh, live unbound. Is it? If you look at if any of the listeners want to yeah. look and follow it on Instagram and Facebook, is it? Yeah. So live. So yeah. So hundred percent. Yeah. And like, there's um, it's not just for so liveunbound.com is the website, and there's I also have um, I'm kind of growing my social media. I've got a social media manager now in place, and 
couple of other people on the team. So I've set up an Instagram account and I've got a podcast now that's up and running. And what we do is we we speak with, you know, really high performers in the world of in every industry from entertainment to sports to whatever, right? Art. We bring them all into onto the show and we just explore their mindset, their skills, their stories, their secrets, all of that. So there's that podcast is up and moving. There's an Instagram and then there's the website to give a real understanding of what we do. But it, just to just to give the listeners an, an idea as well, there's actually a community platform, a free community platform that we have that we've created and that you can join the community platform. And there is probably where we'll get most of our, because um, we're regular in our posting and we've got um, performance, yeah. I suppose, resources and stuff all on there. And if you join that, I think that's probably the, that's where it'll be really kind of uh, connected, you know. So, yeah. Well, one question that just when as you were talking there that came into my head was you're on about the GPA and they were a great support. Yeah. We we know that the GA it's still amateur, you know, you don't get you're not professional. But one thing I will say about the GA is that if you do make it intercounty, you do get a lot out of it, like don't you? Like you get that support there from the GA, it opens up a lot of doors, you know. So it mightn't be professional, but it's you know, it opens a lot of doors, you know, for you. Yeah, like you're right. Like, like when I look back, you, you look at it and you could say, right, you can look at it through two, in two different ways. You could say, geez, you know, you've you've sacrificed a lot of your life now. You know, you've got literally because, you know, many times you're training all year round and you don't have any. You can't go there. You can't go here. You can't, you know, go and have J one or all all of this kind of stuff. But you know, when I look back, there is course. There's always stuff like that you can look at. But there's the other side of it. Then as well as you said, you know, and like what you learn. As you what you what you learn about yourself and your character, as a result of you know getting to play in the county, but what it takes to get there. Number one, you learn a hell of a lot about um your own character, your own grit, your own toughness, your own weaknesses, your own blind spots. You get criticised a hell of a lot of times. You get to be you, you get a huge opportunity to deal with the opinions of other people, and um you know deal with it, deal with it because there's always going to be the opinions of other people, right? So. If you let that affect you, you won't last long. So yeah. you got to deal with that, you know. So you know we were we're kind of fast tracked in in dealing with the opinions of other people as well, and yeah. and even at that, like I suppose with my own work. Do I remember I went into one of the first uh, meetings I had with a client, still a client to this day, um, and you know the first the, the other person I was speaking with, who was a very senior leader down there, said, you know, we don't trust consultants, now, Stephen. You know that, and uh, we both I broke up laughing anyway, but you know we kind of by the end of it. It was like the only reason he was speaking with me is because he knew I played in the county and that he trusted me because he knows that it's obviously you play in the county. You you walk the talk, yeah. number one. In the world I'm in, in the work I'm in, you walk the talk, but also it just shows that you're you work hard, your work ethic, your character, you're grounded. GA is an amateur sport. You give a lot to the to the Irish people by playing the sport and through 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 the effort that it takes and I suppose it, it helps in many ways, like you know. So I, I kind of just spotlighted some there, but there's a hell of a lot more than what I just said. And even at that, playing with the lads too, playing with the lads, brilliant. Like the, the, the brotherhood and togetherness, and it's amazing. Like, and I know, and I, I can keep going, I can I can keep talking further over here and on Neville, but like when it's gone, it's not easy either, you know? Yeah. And that's right. the flip side of it. Like, you've got to, re, you got to really be ready for when, when it's not there anymore. So, yeah. I can, which is I can. what a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, I can only imagine that. And then just speaking about scrutiny, right? Because that brings me on to another question that I'd like to ask you, Stephen, is that um, a friend of ours, we have a friend in common, Bill Cooper, obviously. And But Bill, I remember, was talking to him before. He was telling me about Owen Cadigan, that mm-hmm. he was putting, he was using his social media and some lads were like, what's he doing? But it looks like he was ahead of the curve now nearly. Like, you know, like, do you wish maybe, like looking at GA players now, David Clifford mm-hmm. on Instagram, right? Do you think maybe... When you were playing the game, that you would have got, you would have liked to got more out of your social media, and because now, as you can see, when you're starting your own business, mm. it could be a massive. It would have been a massive advantage here, maybe to be ahead of it a That's bit a, more. Well, it's a great question coming from you, Neville, someone that fucking really has driven on with social media for anyone has. But so it's a great, it's a great question, and uh, probably yeah, I think a good one because a lot of people have different opinions on that. Like for me, I suppose I. I always kind of, and maybe I'm wrong to think like this, but I always kind of felt, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll just keep it. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it cool on on my social media, and I won't. I, did, I didn't kind of. You rarely would see it in me. Like I, I'd say I never really posted anything about hurling, you know. Um, for whatever reason, I just, I kind of just whatever I put up on on Instagram was more my other passions, nature, and kind of family, and 
yeah. having a bit of crack with the lads or whatever it was like I did I, and and other stuff like my dogs and things so I didn't really and I didn't have an Instagram account for for a long time either like I only set it up only I would say four years ago so I think when I was in my prime in our honor finals even when I was captain in Cork kind of I didn't I don't think I even had it an Instagram account so probably when I when I reflect back I would say that I maybe missed an opportunity just to I suppose ultimately what this is all about is just having more of an influence in a positive way and more people at that point in time I probably was in a position where I could have positively influenced more but I, I didn't have the platform set for myself so I would say that no, probably I already did. The only reason I asked Stephen is because it's actually if any uh, I don't know if any intercounty players are listening to this. Like you know, it's it's very interesting when you're playing intercounty. In my opinion, you're on the crest of a wave. You're playing for Cork. You're playing for Kerry, Dublin, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. I think you should be trying to maximise that. Like you know, so like you can see it if you're a Premier League footballer, an Irish rugby player. Like Ireland won at the weekend against Italy. Every Irish player had a post up. Uh, what a win in Italy, like you know, and I think I think that's maybe where the GA need to get to. So, say if Cork win a championship match, why not Seamus Harrandy put up a post or Patrick Horgan great win in Turles, you know, and then they, yeah. they cash in and the following and the likes, you know. So. But it's, it's, you're right, and that's what should happen because ultimately, you know, you you can like you are playing into county hurling, you are spotlighted, you are in spotlight. You're not a nor you're not in the sense of a normal citizen or whatever you want to call it. You're you're different. You're you're out there, right? So you got to respect that as well, and and take the like take the opportunity of it because I'd say that a huge part of that and why it isn't like the soccer or you know the rugby and that yeah. the GA mentality again. Like you know what I'd say about that GA mentality is that probably isn't a good thing. Is that very rarely players will put their head above the parapet, you know. They'll just kind of keep, they, they don't want to upset the, you know, they don't want to do something that outside of what's kind of the typical way within the GA, you know. They want to rem- and that kind of goes back to maintaining the amateur status, you know. The GA kind of running the show really at the end of the day and the players kind of have to follow suit and kind of when players start to kind of drive on and do their, you know, get the most out of it for whatever reason, it's it's not, it's not, favourable like you know and I don't think it's, I think that's bullshit I think players deserve a hell of a lot more than even what they get right now so it's um, I think it's a cultural thing just weaved in there as well that kind of holds people back you know I think I think the GL play a bit of catch up though because I can see you can see the likes of Lee Chin now his Instagram is very powerful like you know and I'd say he makes a yeah, nice okay. off endorsements and stuff but anyway we'll yeah. move on to the hurling because that's what I suppose people listening to this want to hear yeah. Um you're only 34, Stephen. I looked it up there. So you're mm. actually you're young, younger than me. I'm 35. But um, you retired in mm. January 2021. Uh, yeah. Did you just decide that that was it? You had enough? Um, to be honest with you, I was definitely still good enough. And I was definitely still within the best six packs that, that we had. 100%. And I backed that to the hilt. But um, I just felt that, you know, I had a lot of miles on the clock. I had a lot of time. Like I... I put in a hell of a shift over the years, like as you said at the start, and I just felt that, um, you know, I I wanted to to not run myself to the ground, right? Number one, but the second thing is I I was building a family as well. Probably the main reason was I was building a family. I had yeah. a young kid, another one on the way, you know. So I was kind of like, listen, uh, you know, at the end of the day, for you to cross the right line and into county level and and play well and. You know, play well for you, but play well for the team. It requires a hell of a lot of sacrifice, a hell of a lot of time, a hell of a lot of work and effort. You know, big time. So I felt that I couldn't, I couldn't commit to that because I needed to give some of that as much as possible to family. So if 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 that was going to be compromised, then I, you know, I I couldn't play like, and, I, and if I did play, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been happy in what I was doing because I know that I wasn't doing the right thing. The right thing was to be there for the kids as much as I could. You know, with the work I have. It was it was a huge commitment even with the work I have because it is my own business and you know that takes a hell of a lot of time as well. So I felt that you know it's probably it was probably time it was probably time for me and uh, like I could still play with the Glen. I just kind of looked at it through the lens of look, I still have like I was lucky that the Glen are very competitive. They're a great culture in the Glen is unbelievable. There are incredible lads down there that um we all you know we all have each other's back hundred percent. We back each other. We're, we're there for each other and we're we're a good team. You know. So I knew going back there that I was still I still have I'd still have a great team to play with at a great level, that it's that I'd still be able to get that kind of sense of um challenge and sense of brotherhood, and uh, I'm still you know I'm still playing with it then, I'm captain this year like so it's uh 
it, it has, and that's not a small commitment, but the, the guys are so nice. The guys are so down there. Everybody's treated with respect, and the guys know that the commitments I have, they give me the opportunity to do what I need to do, to trust me to show up. Yeah. And uh, I, I have that, whereas but in the county, you, you got to give it everything. I just couldn't feel like I couldn't, couldn't give it everything, you know? Um, I, 2013, I'm sure a lot of people say this, yeah. I was at both the first match and the second match, both All-Irelands. You made a balls of that. Did you, you nearly threw it away? Because I thought you were better than Clare, you know? So is that one you look back with deep regret? Um, I remember it as if it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually close to um, the man of Donovan or Donovan, whoever his fella to put over the bar over the, on his left. Yeah, I wasn't too far, I wasn't too far away from him. Um, I wasn't too far away. I know I, I trusted Stevie White because I didn't want to commit because I knew he was a back and I knew that he was looking. He'd, he'd look to give the ball to someone else. So I just I just clung to the forward. I was where I was marking at the time, and he popped it over. Then I remember looking over my shoulder, looking like over the bar. I was like, Jesus, here we go again, you know. So yeah. I remember when it was. I remember when that happened, but. It was, yeah, look, the second game for sure, they, they deserve to win. Like the first game, I would say it was more, it was kind of 50-50, but I think we, um, I don't look back, I don't look back kind of saying what ifs, you know, I kind of, look, I, I, what I was really at that stage of my career was kind of, I was focusing on just making sure that I was contributing to the team positively. Like, and I look back on, on those two games and like, I think that first game I didn't show up in my best I didn't show up at all at my best. Never let me be honest. Like I, I let myself. I let it. I felt I let the team down. That day. like I done fine. I done grand. You know, but I know we could have done. I could have done better. So when when we drew, like when that was final whistle blown, I wasn't looking back saying fuck. We lost the game. We just that. And the other I was saying fuck. I let the team down. Like yeah. in my own mind, and no, no one would even look at me and say the team. But I knew I kind of. I knew I could have done better. Right. So that's where my focus was. Get myself ready for the next game. And and I, to be fair, like I I turned it around. Like in the first game, we played. Like I remember, I looked at the. Remember we were on the back of the bus. We drew the game, obviously. So we would, you know, do the way it is all on the finals. There's the dinners. There's all this kind of stuff. So we done a small. I think there was a small dinner, bit of a small thing, and then kind of hit hit down the road the following day. And we were going on the road the following day. We were stopping by a uh, beach, and I remember kind of on the way to the beach, the, there was a bit of heat coming back to me. I was in the middle of the bus, the back, the leg room. There was a bit of heat coming my way, and um, I remember the boys had a paper going on the bus, and. Um, kind of glancing back at me and stuff so I was like something in this I'd say you know so the paper came back to me anyway and you know stuff like you look down down at the paper anyway obviously a full full couple of pages spread on the game yeah and there was there was like player ratings so straight into the player ratings of course like you look down and see you spot like where, where am I you know you look at your own name look at the rating so like what do you think I got never allowed a cure what do you think I got out of 10 I, I, if you said you didn't have that good a game, I'm going to go six or seven. Did you? No. You're you're really optimistic, man. Never like give it that much. I got four out of ten. Four. four. All right. Yeah. So I looked down. I was like four out of ten, and I was like, oh my god. And I looked around at everyone else. Was there anyone as bad as me? Nope. So you're talking now about thirty six, seven players, right? That played overall in the game, and, and I was the worst rated. Like, so so my. F- my focus at that point in time was like not being in this position again. Like, so I, I kind of, um, I realized what was going on for me. Never really, I was kind of let the reason why I played so, like, I didn't play my best in the first game was because I was just, I was just doubting myself. You know, I was talking negatively to myself about it. I didn't deserve to be there and all of these things. And obviously, when you do that, your belief is kind of, you know, you don't deserve, you're not good enough, all of that. Your, your self talk then is going to be reflective of that. So I had very fearful self talk around. She's just wait for, I can't wait for the game to be over. Um, you know, hope the ball doesn't come in now because if it comes in, what if something goes wrong? You know, bloody blast. So that was my that was my internal world for the game. So I knew that I needed to change that for the second game, which I luckily did, right? So I started to reflect on actually that, that belief that was driving those thoughts and I started to question it, be curious about it. And what I done actually never, which is interesting, I I came up with um three kind of sharp and courageous statements really that kind of just like that were true, right? That I that I really believed that were true. So that I was training all my life, that I deserve to be there, that you know, I love pressure. I absolutely love it. So this is exactly where I need to be. Like I believed in all that. So I used to say that back to myself in those three weeks in training. Just I used to say it back to myself. That just fed me courage rather than feeding me fear. And then the, the third game came around or the second game came around after after three weeks and I was in a different position. I was in a different mind frame. I was in a different state. I was I was ready to go, you know. So the the, the second game, although we lost you know, I had a very good game, like, and I actually got nominated for um 
for man of the match. You know, I've, you know, from going to four out of ten to be nominated for man of the match, it was a huge, significant difference for me. And I suppose when I look back on those two games, I kind of look back with a bit, with a bit of pride because it was kind of a, that was a transformative moment for me about dealing with fear and doubt and and how to overcome that. And that helped me then, I suppose, for the rest of my career through through Cork and even to what I do right now. It's useful for everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a long that was a long answer. Probably not the answer you wanted, but uh, it's fine. You know. It's funny. I can actually the way you're talking there. It's no no surprise you're gone into what you're after doing. But look, the thing about podcasts, I think, like do people that'll be listening to this, they really want to hear about you. So it's no time is an issue, um, mm. unless it is for you. But uh, no, I'm good, man. Good, we're good. Nearly nearly, nearly twenty years um, since I I Dennis Walsh also on the podcast, right? And he gave me the shot. He gave me the shot in. To be fair to Dennis. You gave me the opportunity, man. Fucking right. fair play to him when I well, 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 Dennis, anyway, he made a very good point that um, there was this thinking in Cork because we're Cork, you know, that we teams can just crop up and win in All-Ireland overnight, like, you know. And Dennis is from, he's from uh, St. Catherine's and he said where he's from, you don't get it that easy, like, you know. And, like, it's nearly 20 years since Cork won the All-Ireland and I think that has nearly proved that theory. Like, mm. why... Why is it nearly twenty years? Like, what? Uh, we've kind of dropped the ball big time, haven't we? Like, when you look at mm. like Limerick, or, yeah, we have you. Limerick, or like, geez, like they're. I'd say if they went up against any professional, they'd, they'd be as good. If they probably, if not better, like you know. So like, yeah. how have in Cork? What, what's going wrong with us? Like you know. Oh yeah, I think um, there is that element of. What do you say? Yeah, I just, I just feel that. Over the years, I think that you know there was a team there that and left. I suppose over time, the kind of older generation. So when I came in, Dennis Walsh was the first. He was the manager. He brought me in twenty eleven, and I started the first year. But the, all the guys, the Curran, Gardner, um, John Og, Ben and Jerry, Tom Kenny, Nine McCart, like all lads, like Fraggy, they all still there, you know. But they were coming to the end of their end of, the end of their kind of that team, you know, and I think. It just, it just, it just took us. I think we just hung on to that kind of team, and 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 their culture rather than building our own one, and uh, it it didn't help. And I think there is that. Um, I think there is there was an element of um Cork kind of what what I always what I'd always say what I was really what I what I kind of was really pissed off at, and when I was captain, I kind of really tried to challenge it was um the element of we have the best horrors in the country. I think that's fucking bullshit, like. I think every fucking in the county team is unbelievable hurlers. No better, no better neither either are, right? And you look at it. And I think what we done was we relied on that when it wasn't fucking there. Like the the, the, the thing that was like that every team has great hurlers that can put the ball over the bear and all this kind of stuff. Play play a short pass to each other into the hand, all that kind of stuff. And we were trying we we felt I think by by just the, the language of we the best hurlers in the country, that repeated language over and over and over and over and over again. Just it just took away from actually, you know, like the, I think I think the players in the team even subconsciously without even realizing it, just felt that that would get the win, that would get them over the line. Just the hurlers would shore up, would tore up, and we'd be able to flick it over the bar. We'd be able to do this or get a goal, this that and the other. When in reality, it was it was actually um we're no different, and we got to work like dogs, just like every other team. But we 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 didn't work like dogs like every other team. There was pockets of it throughout my time with Cork. We had definitely. Some great teams over the over the years, but you know what let us down was that over reliance on thinking we were the best horrors in the country when we fucking didn't like. Yeah, we I know I know team is right to say that because we're all like there's six seven teams out there that have all outstanding horrors on a team. It's actually the the attitude and the culture within the character within the team that's the difference in any championship winning team. You look at it, what is it the character they have? Like I think Limerick at the moment are driving off of a real a real hunger and desire and passion to to win because they had so many years of not winning and yeah. it took a group of players to come together to say, do you know what, fuck this, we're not going to stick this, take this anymore. And I remember I met Graham Mulcahy, I remember I met him on uh, Patrick Street, Cork, years ago. And uh, it was after we won the Munster, he was captain in 2017 and he was congratulating me and I was saying, fuck it, I know, but we didn't, we didn't win the fucking horror and like, you know. And he looked at me and he said, geez, I take your hand off to even win a Munster, he said to me. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Graham Mulcahy, I yeah. take her hand off to even win a monster," he yeah. said to me. Yeah. And we were 2017 talking to each other, yeah. just after winning a monster with Cork, and this fella telling me to take the hand off to win a monster, and look at where they are, and what they've won, what we've done, like so. So there's fucking 
there's something there now. I think Cork are doing exceptionally well right now. I think they've you know they're in a good position. I if they won the All Ireland this year, I would not be surprised. It's got a great management, you know. I want to ask you: Are we on the right track? You think, yeah? One hundred percent, absolutely one hundred percent. I I would say that um, I think you when you look at when you look at the the, the best teams, I, I always I always reflect on it, and they always have old wise and experienced players that are there just not, you know not too many of them but enough Your middle ground kind of fellas that are kind of seasoned but you know still have that kind of um that drive and energy just because there's, you know they were, they were still have a couple of years ahead or a long, long couple of years ahead and then the younger guys coming through right I think probably like I was cornerback fullback for Cork for years like you know years I I shouldn't have been no one should be playing I was 10 11 years playing starting corner fullback like you should have players coming in to take like that are taking that position off you like you know we like that I think they have that now I think they have those players coming in that can start in championship that are really really good like the one the only fullback fellas like that coming in and I think that's 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 what they have now that maybe we didn't really have for a long time yeah you know championship winning players like and the, the other thing about it is when I say championship winning players the other thing probably what let Cork down over the years yeah not enough championship winning players so what I mean by that is. So all well and good to play well when the team's going well. When it when things aren't going well, you mentioned Bill Cooper known for this or that. He definitely was a championship winner because when things aren't going like he's someone that'll stand up like sorry, so, I, I remember the game. Players, yeah. like, I remember the game in the semi-final was it against Limerick before they won their first All Ireland and they brought Seamus Handy yeah. off and they had to bring him back on again at extra time. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was Dan Carney as well came off and on, yeah. yeah. I think one or two others, yeah. So there was um championship winning and I think look. That needs to go right through the team as well. Like so, I say, just that. Hopefully, I think is is definitely. Um, I feel that's coming into into the team now again. I just have a good feeling about it. Like to be honest with you, that's this good. year, maybe this year, you know, because Limerick can't keep winning. Like, no, they can't. They, 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 they can't. It's not possible. Like, it's just they they they're absolutely one of the best teams there ever is and there ever was in Ireland. But they will lose, and I think that Cork are the next best team that are there, and that they're the team that will um that will beat them. Like. So Cork for the All Ireland in twenty twenty three is what you're saying, Stephen. I am saying Cork for the All Ireland in either twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. Who gets who gets out of Munster? Uh, Cork Limerick, obviously. Uh, Jesus, this is very hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you got you got the other three. Like, if I was to pick one, I go with um, I go with Waterford. I'd say. Right. Just yeah. because I think Tipperary have injuries now that are kind of coming in. I think I, I like Tip, I like the way they're going. I just think their injuries are kind of just going to challenge them a bit. I think Clare, yeah, Clare are good. Like they're, I think they're a great team, but I don't know. They kind of they might be they mightn't have the strength and depth in their squad as other as other squad. Like they're doing the best with what they have. Like to, to be fair, and you've got to respect that. And they're a hard team to beat. Yeah. But I just think probably Waterford over the over the over the over the kind of. Did have torn like over over the over the number of games right because a lot of games they probably have more score and power just to get them kind of the win or two by a couple of points you know what I mean so it just does probably just probably that element but I think tip I think to be fair definitely Limerick Cork and I believe Waterford but I wouldn't be surprised if it was either Waterford tip there. Do you think the next question I want to ask you we're on about Limerick they are on the standard of state it's been incredible mm. but do you think they need to dial it back in the GA I ask all my GA guests this question because like. As I said, to call it amateur is an insult now. Like it's as good as professional. Ah, it's not, it's not an amateur sport at all. It's no, it's not. But like at the same time, lads still have nine to five jobs, you know. And like you take you there, you have a young family. You to give it up playing, and you've started your own business. Like it just wasn't feasible for you anymore. Do you think the GA need to step in? Maybe I don't know and say like you can't start training until February or January or something like because it's like you know it's nearly too much. Like you know, I don't know. look number one. It is too much. No one. It's 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 too much. It's too much and it's too hard as a player of it. Playing into county sport, you know, it's very hard to be able to actually have a career as well. It's either one or the other. So what happens is fellas are sacrificing their careers, do jobs like teaching or stuff like that. That fair enough. Some of them might like it, but I know ahead of a lot of players that went down teaching route so that they could play hurling, but they actually don't really like teaching. They might even go as far as say they hate it. Then you might have people that are doing kind of sales jobs and stuff they don't really like you know not really upskilling in it kind of they're very you know in positions where to be fair they might have great employers to just give them the opportunity to go and play a sport you know but still at the same time when time comes that they really need to work they're not they're not 
competent enough in that in in, in their work then because they're really just invested in their hurling and football, right? Which is which is what it takes. So it's very 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 hard now to be bored an intercounty player and actually advance in your career as well and put yourself in a very feasible position to um have a good career with good um with good finances so that you can buy a house and you can provide for your family. All of that is really compromised. And if you do do both, at what cost, right? You're going to be absolutely burnt out, stressed. You know, it's going to cons- over-consume you. So so you're really up against it, right? So that's the first thing I wanted to just share on that. And uh, the second thing I want to say on that one as well, Neville, is that there's nothing that can be done right now. Like, there is a lot that can be done right now, but there's nothing that can be done in terms of the level of training, the commitment, what the individual has to put into it, what the team has to put into it, because every single team now is trying to outdo the other teams. And for the GA to step in and say, oh, you can't train as hard, you can't train as much, that's not going to happen. Right? It's, it's, it's not, see, the, the level of commitment and, and um, hours of training right now, you're never going to be able to peel it back because then what happens is teams are going to feel they're not doing enough. Right? Or so it's kind of, this is where it's at and it's only going to go one way. It's only going to keep going up so I think what needs to happen is players need to be something else, right? Players need to be given support and assistance, I would say. If, you know, but I think there's a way, right? You know, like the biggest thing about not being able to advance in your career is that you're actually not able to advance in your ability to bring in money. So that like, look how much look how much look at the cost of living right now. Look at the housing, look at how much it does cost to buy a house. So I think there should be some financial financial incentives for players because the 40 hours a week you have to give to the sport. That's 40 hours a week. You can't earn money. You can't progress in your career. So there needs to be some offset there. Yeah. I believe. Just well, to call it straight as it is. You need to respect the players for what they're doing. And tax that's break. one way of respecting them. Yeah. Tax, tax breaks. breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Something simple like that. I think they need players need to be respected for the effort that it takes. They can for the effort that it takes to do the sport is the effort that they can't do to other things that a normal person can. You can't treat them like normal people. Say they're amateur, they're normal people, right? They have to live like a normal person, work like a normal person and do or not, but they're not. It's not normal what they do. They're, you know, they're they're putting themselves out there in front of thousands of people, generating millions for the Irish government. Yeah, that that the normal person just unfortunately, like they're not doing that because they haven't worked their whole lives to craft the skill, the character, the mindset to overcome the barriers to be at the level they're at to put on the show they put on, so that everybody can watch the game and enjoy it, and they can represent the counties and bring that to the kids, the families. So they just need to. I just it needs to be respected because it's not an amateur sport at the end of the day, and I think that that's just something that you need to call out and whatever something needs to be done, you know. And I think look, they're making some strides, but it's moving very slow, you know. Yeah. Um. One other question I'll ask you then is what about because Pat Spland did an article on the Independent last week about how Caelan Doris and Andy Farrell was seen with a pint of Guinness after Ireland beat France, you know, and like yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah, and like you, there's a big, I think, problem with drink sometimes in the GA that lads are told, give it up for six months, drink is the demo. Mm-hmm. So where do you stand on the whole drink in GA? What, what, what I'd say about this is this, right? You can't tell an adult to do something or not to do something. And as soon as you do, as soon as the management come along and say, you cannot do this, then there's a rift between players and the manager right out of the gate and you've got a sub-optimal team, a weak culture, straight out of the gate. But if you've got a manager that comes along and says, listen, that's what are the standards we need to hold ourselves accountable to? How are we going to operate? How are we going to play? You know, all us, all in, all one, right? And you have those conversations. So when it comes along that you win a game or lose a game, that the manager and the team, team can have a point, a couple of points together, knowing that it's not going to impact actually on the performance because they're just celebrating. You have to celebrate the wins as well. So my, my stance is you got to trust the team, the rattles. you got to, you got to set the star. Like, you got, you, you, like once you have, when you have a great team, and a great culture and the management a huge part of that. You don't need to say that. You don't need to say anything about drinking bands or anything like that. Just people know. It's just, you know, that's what it is like. So I think that yeah, in the GA definitely there's um yeah. they're not they're not yeah, I would say the teams I was involved with over time, some some were good, some were bad. The ones that were bad were the ones that were telling us or treating the players like kids, you know, which is what telling them they can't they can't drink, you know. Yeah. Well, there was a buddy of mine. He used to play with Munster. He's another young man, and he said, uh, "He said with Munster, there used to be no drinking bands." He's just be like, "If you have to tell fellas when they let you know when to drink and when not to drink, you know, simple as yeah, that." Yeah, exactly. And the other thing about it as well is that you got the team. The team, like when you got a strong leadership within the team as well, the they'll police it. Like you know, the management should step away. Like as a captain, then you know, of the team, you're like you're just listen, lads. 
we'll we'll enjoy ourselves tonight and we'll 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 go for a couple of points. We'll all we'll all stay together and we'll um you know it's important that we all stay together. We'll have great chats and we'll enjoy ourselves. But we're good to go then. We're good to go to the next day. We're, we're good to go, right? So this this is what it is. No one's at the bollocks, whatever. Do you know that that's all like that. They're just for, that's a minute of a conversation, right? And and everyone's aligned in. And there's no fellas having a point worried about shit about if about if the management find out or what if this that and the other. We've all of that. The other thing as well, like saying this one, this is an interesting one. No level is um there was a where did I hear it now? I heard it somewhere. Um it was actually Sebastian Younger. He's he was on a he's he does he he wrote a book called Tribe and another one called Freedom, but he's like his work, his life's work is in um our evolution and as as people and as groups, right? And that's again you look at tribe, like obviously where we all come from is is from tribes, right? From being involved in a group, bringing value to the group, you know, and um being rewarded for that value, all of that kind of stuff. Like and you know, he, he was sharing that, you know, when when you know when the tribe goes to war, like it's only obviously the warriors in the tribe will go to war. But when they came back, no matter what, there was a party, right? There was like it was there was a big party showing up. A lot of the time they bring them back dead bodies they're you know it's literally obviously you think about hunter gatherer it is tribal wars like it's it's no joke but the reason they done that and even when they lost like obviously it's there was still that celebration song dance drink all that kind of stuff you know you can imagine back in the day was because the guys needed space to just deal with what it was that they experienced because it wasn't normal to go out and to actually be involved in warfare in war and to some degree that's what sport is like as well when you're playing france and the six nations number one number two ranked teams in the world you're going out there. You can't just go home, switch off, watch TV. Because what you've done that day was not normal. Like So that's what happens is the players just crave that that time together to just unwind, celebrate, de- decompress, chat about the game, chat about life. And that's what's needed. So it's 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 a benef- it's actually a beneficial thing when you have that space together, you know? That's a very good point you make, yeah. Um, I suppose the final few questions then, Stephen, is uh, if you could change one thing about the game, about hurling or about the GA in general, what would you change? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Putting you on the spot. Like I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see the game go back to 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 the way it was before. You know, right. Paddy Paddy hats and just grown hurling. You know, but like I mean, that's going backwards, of course. Like, but I think it was brilliant back then. I think it was pure. You know the way it was. I think. Um, I suppose probably. Because you can't go back, right? That's that's probably one thing I, you know, we, we kind of figured out that you can't go back. But um, probably to respect the players for the effort that it takes. So giving them a tax break, giving them something towards a house, some, just giving them something to say thanks. I know, because like, when I, you literally, you're gone. When, I was, when you leave, you're gone. Like, you know, like when I was gone, I was gone. Like, I mean, there was no, there was no, there was nothing really like there was no rage or nothing no there was no thank you there was no there was no fucking uh, you know there was, there was a thanks or there was a phone call or there was this or there was that but there was no um, there was nothing like and that's the way it is for, for everyone when they leave like, but I think it's you know I just think that the players just they need to be give, they need to be respected a little bit more for what they do like something needs to be done for them that's a very good point and the other question I just which I ask all my GA guests as well is that we're sitting pretty we're both from Cork hopefully success will come again there's no problem. Mm. Sponsorship. Limerick are flying it. Dublin are flying it. Kerry. The big counties are flying it. Well, what about the poor Hurler and Offaly, you know, or the poor mm-hmm. Hurler and Offaly? And Offaly used to always be a great GA county in both codes, you know. But now they've nearly been pushed out by the money and the sponsorship to have to come into the game, you know. I know. That's, yeah. a, that's surely a big problem for the GA, like, isn't it? Yeah, I think it'll probably get bigger as the years go on, you know. And um, like their ability to compete with probably you know, you'll find the results is that getting more and more bigger, the marriage is that getting bigger and bigger. So I think there's definitely something there. I don't know what the solution to that is. I don't, but I think there's um definitely that needs to be acknowledged and uh, whether there's a change in structure in the tournament, whether it's, you know, giving them the right adequate resources, even in the backroom teams and things like that. I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a hard one, like, because even at that, like, you even look at managers and stuff like this, like, you have managers getting paid 70, 80,000 to manage a team, like, you know, and the teams that have the money for that are the teams, obviously, that, that are getting the benefit of that. But obviously, the weaker teams probably don't have that that money either at the same time. And and I don't think they should, I don't, and I don't, I think that's wrong as well, to be honest, which I don't think that's, that, I don't think that's right. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a challenge there for sure. Yeah. You know, do I know what the solution is? 
you know, I'd, I'm not sure. I think the best, the, definitely the the teams that are really, you know, moving on and, and thriving are the ones that have probably the most available resources. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. JP McMahon is there, is, is there. You know, he's he's obviously you know like because like, again like when you're looking at when you're playing with a team and just it's you're looking over the shoulder because it costs this much for the food for the weekend and management are telling you look we're, we're you know we're, we're fair play to the, to the board giving us a bit of food for the weekend like you know that I swear is when you don't have that issue or worry is kind of when it's all provided it's it's different it's just easier so I think that's that's an yeah something best there. player to play with and against uh Jesus best player to play with. Picking one to choose one, I'll choose one, and it's it's a uh, it's it's actually um, a Glen player, a guy called uh, Patrick. Like called Pat- no, 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 not even Patrick Horgan. A guy called um, Paddy Cunningham. Right. He was a Glen player for years, but the reason why he used to play in the forwards, but he was like the best defender we had. You know, like he was just he play he hook he block he'd stick his neck in the line he'd chase he'd hook he'd hurt, and he'd draw the other guys on to defend like and. I hear the huge role in um in the counties you own as well. So I'd say he's probably uh, he definitely is, you know, one of the easiest fellas I've I've ever played with. And uh I used to love playing with the lights of Lock On and Christopher Joyce in the backs as well. We had we just knew each other, we had each other's back always. Hoggy obviously is someone that just, you know, my happiest times in the pitches when he's taking a free. I get a break and I get to see the ball sit over the fucking the over the bar hundred you know, hundred times over. So he's um he's up there as well. And against Two things on this one. The first one is, I oftentimes the hardest player you're going to play against is yourself. I know it's probably not the answer you want, but I give I'll I'll, I'll 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 name someone in a minute. But like I've often found that I could mark because I've marked everybody really. Like it was over over that period of time that were the best forwards, like from John Malan to TJ Reid, you know, yeah, and everyone in between. So I think um, uh, you know, you're you're going to do your best. When you're most prepared and most ready, no matter who they are, and at times when you're not ready, you, you could be in the league game against a weaker team and, and and not play well. Like so, first of all, you need your your biggest opposition is yourself. And I, I always found that the left-handers were they're different. They're just different. You have to shape up a little bit different when high ball is coming. You 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 have to approach it differently. You have to move your stance. So it just changes things a little bit. I found them the more a little bit trickier, and um, probably the hardest. The hardest thirty minutes of hurling that I've played was against them, um, on Larkin, who killed Kenny. Right. Yeah, league final. It was the league final there back in twenty twelve, I think. But I, I learned a lot of lessons that day about, you know, cuteness. And he yeah. was he was very only three balls came in, but he won three balls, clocked two out of the air, popped one off. He got a goal. He got two goals out of those three balls. So, if I was to say, Jesus, that was probably one of the one of the hardest um one of the hardest fellas that I've marked. Obviously, Tony Kelly as well. Yeah, I've I've a huge admiration for him and his um never settles, yeah. never settles. Sometimes you're marking the best holders, you know, and they just want the ball and they want the Tony was always always on it, like always encouraging, always moving, always trying to, you know, you're running after him when he's running after someone else, trying to hook a block, you know. So I, I've huge admiration for him as well in terms of what he's um what he's doing with Claire. So um, more modern person him. Advice for young hurlers or young up and coming sports. Boys and girls, you know, what advice would you give to them starting off in the game? Um, believe in yourself. Right. Just, just, just believe in yourself and enjoy it. You know, don't be telling yourself you're shit and you can't do this and you can't do that and not enjoying it and worried about what your parents would say or these other people would say. All I'd say is just, just try and improve and get better every day and just enjoy it. And every day you go out, every time you're going onto the field to train. It's an opportunity to enjoy it, an opportunity to just be a little bit better, you know. So yeah. I would say just focus on enjoying it, yeah. keeping fit, getting better, and you know, and and also it's it's an opportunity for you to really understand more about yourself, you know. So you can see yourself in big games, championship games come along, the nerves are there, brilliant because you have an opportunity to deal with those nerves, and and you know, come up to the side better, stronger version of yourself. Yeah. All right. Stephen, you're a you're a Nori originally, aren't you? You're from uh, I'm, area. I'm a Nori and I am a Nori and I always will be. There's right. original and there's I'll be always a Nori, man. I love it. Living up in the south side now, but yeah. Was it was it always hurling from day one? Because Glen Rovers is your club then? Yeah. No, actually it was soccer it was my I played at Rockmount, it was the same club as Roy Keane, actually. Uh, they were only out the road, twenty minutes out the road, but I used to love soccer, man. 
I kind of used to love soccer, but the only different, the only thing about it was my parents were a disaster. They, they, they used to bring me everywhere, but it was always late. Literally, I used to go to the I used to go to the soccer games, and uh, the game was they'd start with ten players, and they'd just have my jersey on the line. I'd have to get tied off in the car. The game would be on about 10 minutes and I'd just have to run off the, out of the car jersey on into the pitch because we used to be late. Do you know what I mean? We used to, not, not all the time, but a lot of the fucking time we used to be late. Yeah. And uh, I, um, the hurling obviously was different. I used to be able to go there, go there myself. But uh, yeah, I kind of just over time, it was it was a choice I had to make. Like I remember actually I'd tell the, the hurling to Glenn I'm going playing soccer. I had a soccer game. I'd tell him I'm going playing soccer. The next thing the morning would come along the play manager would knock on the door and say, Steve, you, you, you know, we need you. Come on, come with us. You have to go, have to go play hurling. So over and back between hurling and soccer, eventually I just, just stuck with the, with the hurling. So, yeah, you know. Give us a, give us a bit on the club then. You won two intercount or two club, two counties with the club, was it? And any good young hurlers coming up with the Glen or, and what's, how are you shaping, shaping up again for this year? Yeah, no, we won a, yeah, we, like we won two, we lost more than we won, obviously. Uh, uh, great counties to win the Glen is you know I uh, couldn't talk highly enough for the Glen. Uh, love everybody in the Glen. I think it's an unbelievable club. Just spirit of the Glen, the culture of what we have, it's amazing. So I think we've won too. Yeah, we've 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 done great. Uh, we brought barriers to Windows too. It was the first time in years since nineteen eighty nine since we won, and uh, I think we've got a, a very good team. Now I suppose we're we're we've we've a lot of the guys that won the counties are still there. So I, I suppose we can say they're. We've a lot of experienced players. I mentioned earlier about the kind of different levels of experience, kind of the middle guys and then the yeah. new guys coming through. So probably where we were short the last couple of years with the younger lads coming in. But there's there is there is some good lads coming in now that I think will will make a huge difference. Obviously, Owen Downey is was there last year, last couple of years, but he's still only twenty, like you know. Yeah. So yeah. he's exceptionally young. There's a guy called Owen O'Leary as well, forward coming in. So so we've got we've got lads coming in. So I think we've um you know we've every chance now this year as as do a lot of other teams, but we've um I don't think any team would want to play us this year, and uh, yeah, for a reason, for yeah. a reason, because we're 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 a hard team to beat, and we're, we're you know it's not nice, it's not nice playing us. So that's so always what you want to say, right? That it's not nice playing against the uh, team. That's right. the team you want to be on. All right, Steve, we'll finish with this. It's a quick fire questions. I do with all my guests. All right, so next one, yeah. Uh, favorite food, fish and chips. Favorite golf course, Mount Juliet. How often do you do your dirty laundry? Well. I get support with that. I got a, we've got a support in the house with cleaners and everything else with the kids. So I'd uh, I'd say I I every third day I'd say we just right. leave it fill up and then go. Win the World Cup or win the Masters. World Cup. Favorite holiday? Oh, Dominican Republic. Who would play you in a movie? Oh, Denzel Washington. Favorite film? <laughs> he looks like uh, Gladiator. Go to karaoke song. Ooh, Fleetwood Mac everywhere. Craziest thing you've ever done? I kidnapped. Right. I finally, <laughs> finally Westlake the boys on. Uh, boys on, old school. Oh, well, I'd be the same. Steve McDonald, mm-hmm. thanks a million for that, lad. Man, never was a great chat. <laughs> <laughs>